Well, good morning to you on this uh, fourth Sunday of Advent at ECC. We're really glad you were able to be with us. Um, it's always good to be able to get all together on one Sunday at one time, um, 9.30. When you leave the service this morning, be kind to those people who forgot and are coming in for the 11 o'clock, okay? Don't look at them with scorn because it happens every year. Um, but we're glad that you're here. And don't you love the tradition, the lights, uh, Advent, the candle? There, there are traditions all around Christmas, and um, they remind us of things that are important that we believe. There are also traditions uh, that we actually don't step into in a way that some other folks do. Um, those of you from another kind of denominational background may actually uh, recall this tradition. It's called the passing of the peace. How many of you uh, were a part of a church that did the passing of the peace routinely? It goes something like this. You would turn to one another. The minister would say, it's time for the passing of the peace. And you would turn to someone and you would say, peace be with you. And the response would be, and also with you. And everyone in the congregation would pass the peace to someone else and the response, and also with you. I have to admit, first time I did that, I thought, man, this is a wonderful tradition. Um, second time I did it, I thought to myself, now, should I say peace be with you real quick before somebody else says it? Because I don't want to always say, and also with you. I want to be able to pass the peace, not just receive the peace. It, it is a, a rich tradition in the Christian church, and it actually goes all the way back to Jesus. Because Jesus said that to his disciples Immediately after the resurrection, when he saw them, he said, my peace to you. It wasn't the first time Jesus had said, peace be with you. As a matter of fact, it wasn't the first time that Jesus was associated with peace. As you notice from the reading in the Advent candle this morning, the angels announced the birth of Jesus as peace to all on whom God's favor rests. On another occasion in John chapter 14, Jesus said to his disciples, my peace I give you, not like the world gives peace or not like the peace that the world gives, give I unto you, but my peace I give to you. Isn't that an interesting phrase? My peace I give to you. What are the implications of Jesus' words, my peace, I give to you? Well, first it seems that the implication of Jesus' words are the peace that he gives is an experience. That is to say, you receive it from Jesus, you take it from him, and you experience it. You see, it's not just an idea. It's not simply the cessation of hostilities in an otherwise hostile world. That's not what peace means when Jesus speaks into the lives of those who follow him and says, my peace I give you. He doesn't mean, well, everything be okay. I hope everything is calmed down in your world. It's much deeper than that. Jesus seems to speak in the words of the prophet when he says something about peace. He doesn't just mean cessation of hostilities. He means absolute wholeness and flourishing. That everything will work the way it is supposed to work between you, your neighbors, your enemies, and you and God. 
that you will flourish in your natural gifts in this well-ordered world that He's created, that everything will be peace. And Jesus says, My peace I give you. This peace that Jesus talks about comes by way of relationship with Him. It's not just an idea. And it continues in relationship with Him. It's not something that's just cast out there like a net and placed over you as some sort of canopy of protection. It's something you experience constantly in the presence of Jesus. He doesn't just pass the peace. He offers you peace by offering Himself. And in experiencing the presence of Jesus, that's when you know true peace. The peace that Jesus talks about is to be experienced. We should experience it. But the peace that Jesus talks about is also a peace that should be shared. We should share it. You know, not all experiences are something to be shared. Um, We often think that we should share everything, I suppose, but there's lots of things we shouldn't share. I mean, if you're in a really tight relationship with someone right now, that might lead to marriage. Or if you're in a marriage relationship with someone right now, you've been committed to for a long, long time. I suspect that they don't think it's a good idea if you came to them and said, this is such a wonderful relationship we have. Why don't we share it with others? Let's, let's just multiply ourselves and let's have these relationships everywhere. Not at all. You want it shared with you and you alone. But this is different, isn't it? Much different. When you experience the peace of Jesus, it's not something to be kept to yourself. It is terribly special. But it's special, and part of its specialness is to be shared. As a matter of fact, things that you think of as selfish, I cannot imagine anything of a higher level of selfishness than experiencing the peace of Jesus and being unwilling to share it. You've experienced it in order for you to be able to share it. That's why I think Jesus says, you're the light of the world, and don't put your your light or your lamp under a bushel. Share it with everyone. So when Jesus says, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, you enter into the peace by experiencing Jesus himself and In order to experience Jesus himself, you must share the peace that you receive from him. That's part of discipleship. That's part of following Christ. My peace I give you. Not only ought you to experience it and to share it, you actually ought to believe it. Now you say, well, why do you say that, Bob? You ought to believe it. Because sometimes... The peace of Jesus seems unbelievable, doesn't it? It seems far away in certain circumstances. The notion of shalom in a universal, holistic way seems completely absent from so many circumstances of your life and so much of our present world order. And so, on occasion, it's even hard to believe it. It's interesting to me that in John chapter 14, when Jesus says to his disciples, my peace I give you, not the kind of peace that the world gives, he's talking to them in the context 
of things that are going to get really, really bad. The first part of that context is he's comforting them because he's telling them, I'm going away. I'm going to leave you behind. You're going to be on your own. Every step of your life has been guided by me. And then poof, I'm going to be absent. And he's already predicted his death. And he's already been betrayed by Judas. All these things leading up to his crucifixion. And in the midst of that, he says, my peace I give you. Not the kind of the peace that the world has, but my peace I give you. We learn from that and from the life of the disciples following Jesus' departure from this earth that peace is not dependent upon anyone's current political situation. If peace had been dependent upon the current political situation that the disciples were in and were about to experience, you hardly would have considered it to be peace. They experienced hostility and persecution and all but John suffered a martyr's death. The peace that Jesus talks about is not dependent upon worldly or material possessions or success. Because the disciples knew full well it wasn't. They didn't have it and they were not about to inherit it. Nothing about their life was dependent upon those kinds of things. So peace couldn't be attached to those things. It couldn't be attached to political stability when Jesus spoke to them. It couldn't have been attached to wealth and prosperity because they had none. It also was not dependent upon a trouble-free life. Because in this world, Jesus says, in the very next section where he's talking to them, we call it chapter 15 of John, you're going to face trouble and persecution in this world. My peace I give you. In the midst of trouble and persecution, in the midst of lack of worldly success, in the midst of material possessions being taken from you, in the midst of a chaotic political situation, my peace I give you. Not the kind of peace the world gives, but I give you peace. In a devotional uh, book that I encountered recently, written by a woman named Sarah Young, She pins these very poignant words. (laughs) She says, think of it in the context of peace, Jesus' words. Give up the illusion that you deserve a problem-free life. Part of you is still hungering for the resolution of all difficulties. That's a false hope. As I told my disciples, by the way, the way this devotional reads... She writes it as if God is speaking to you every day. So you hear it in the first person? As I told my disciples, in the world you will have trouble. Link your hope not to problem solving in this life, but to the promise of eternity, of a problem-free life in heaven. Instead of seeking perfection in this fallen world, pour your energy into seeking me, the perfect one. It is possible to enjoy me and glorify me in the midst of adverse circumstances. In fact, my light shines most brightly through believers who trust me in the dark. That kind of trust is supernatural a production of my indwelling spirit. When things seem all wrong, trust me anyway. 
I am much, listen to this carefully, I'm much less interested in right circumstances than in right responses to whatever comes your way. My peace I give you. Not the kind of peace that the world gives you. My peace. Words from John's Gospel, chapter 16, from the Amplified Version of the Bible, put it this way. I've told you these things so that in me you might have perfect peace and confidence. In the world you have tribulations and trials and distress and frustration, but be of good cheer. Take courage, be confident, certain, undaunted, for I have overcome the world. I love this paraphrase. I have deprived it of the power to harm you and have conquered it for you. My peace I give you. Not the peace that the world gives. A different kind of peace. So the kind of peace that Jesus is speaking of is not dependent on current political situations. It's not dependent on a material wealth or on a trouble for life persecute. It's dependent on his presence. That's his dependent upon faith. I think we better go with this. <laughs> it's not dependent on bad mics or good mics. <laughs> Jesus' peace is dependent upon faith in his promises. That's what it's dependent upon. Jesus' peace is dependent upon faith in His promises. Faith in promises like these. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. No matter what the circumstances, I'm walking with you. That's my peace. Promises like this. I am the Good Shepherd, and the Good Shepherd lays down His life for His sheep. I lay down my life for my sheep so my sheep can have eternal life so nothing in this world can harm them. A promise like this. I am the Sovereign Lord that you can trust in every situation. Why? Because I've got it all under my control. Allow me one other devotional thought from Sarah Young. Again, speaking as if God is speaking to you, these are her words. Strive to trust me in more and more areas of your life. Anything that tends to make you anxious is a growth opportunity. Instead of running away from these challenges, embrace them. Eager to gain all the blessings that come from them. I have hidden blessings in these difficulties. If you believe that I am sovereign over every aspect of your life, it's possible to trust me in all situations. Don't waste energy regretting the way things are 
or thinking about the way they may have been. Start at the present moment, accepting things exactly as they are, and search for my way in the midst of those circumstances. Trust is like a staff that you can lean on as you journey uphill with me. If you're trusting in me consistently, the staff will bear as much weight as you need. Lean on, trust, and be confident in me with all your heart and mind. Kind of reminds you of a proverb, doesn't it? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He'll direct your path. The peace that Jesus offers is dependent upon these promises and your believing them. That He's the resurrection and the life. The promise that someday, in spite of circumstances that you may now face, He's going to make everything new. It's interesting, this thing called peace, isn't it? Because it's very fleeting. And sometimes it seems so present because Christ seems so present. At other times it seems so absent because Christ may seem so absent. No matter what the circumstances of life, we need to have a new orientation about living. And the new orientation about living has to be an eternal orientation about life itself. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus. We need to look above the circumstances. We need to remember the eternal things, the invisible things. Or to put it in the words of Paul in 2 Corinthians, this is what I do, he says. This is what you ought to do. So we fix our eyes on what is seen, not seen, but on what is unseen. We don't fix our eyes on what is seen. Is there any time of the year where you fix your eyes on what is seen more than Christmas? The presence under the tree, everything around you, the promises, the expectations, the longings, you fix your eyes on things. Paul says, don't fix your eyes on things that are seen, but fix your eyes on things that are unseen. For what is seen is temporary. What is seen vanishes. It's like the vapor of life. It goes away. It's burned up like rubble. What is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. So as you walk with Christ, beginning this new year, which is right upon us, fix your eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. The things that are eternal. You know, Christmas, among other things, it's a time to believe again. We go back to the manger. We hear the carols. Most of them we know by heart. We pull out the lights. And we believe once again. Sometimes it's difficult to believe. Turn on the lights. Believe it. Trust it. Jesus says, my peace I give to you. So here's a Christmas prayer for you. Going forward for the rest of this season. It goes like this. 
Lord, help me to experience Your peace. Give me the conviction to share Your peace. And allow me the ability to trust You, to believe You, to accept Your peace. You can pray that. It's simple. Experience it, share it, and believe it. Let's pray. Our gracious Lord, we thank You for the reminders that are all around us at this time of the year. For the reminders of Your grace and Your peace. Even the shopping malls are filled with Christmas carols, sometimes actually with the words. Other times they just remind us of the words. And those carols remind us primarily, Lord, of two things. The first thing they remind us of is that you really did come into our world, experienced our life, and there's nothing that we have or will experience that is not passed through your hands. That's the first thing you remind us of, Lord, in Christmas. But you also remind us, Lord, that what we experience right now is not the whole of reality. Because you, the God that transcends time and space, the one who is the eternal being, came into our world, walked in our shoes, and helped us to reorient our life right here, right now, on eternity. So we pray, Lord, as we walk through the rest of this Christmas season, you will reorient our hearts and minds to see the light of eternity. And that as the new year begins, we will share that light of eternity with all that we know. For these things we thank you. In Christ's name, amen.